Uh, good morning, everybody. It's, my, it's a real pleasure for me um, with my, my wife be here with you guys this morning uh, to share the, the great bless that is knowing the gospel, um, sharing the same hope for eternity. So first of all, uh, Tim here, he asked me to share some little details about what's happening uh, back in Colombia, especially in our region, uh, our cities, Barranquilla, and we are located in the Caribbean coast, the north coast of our country. Uh, but first of all, allow me to uh, give you the greetings from the church back, back in Barranquilla. They were praying for you guys. Uh, they are praying for this moment. I hope so, uh, because I need it. <laughs> and you probably will need it to get able to understand what I'm going to preach, not because you are not smart, because of my English. So um, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Uh, well. What can I tell you? Uh, our church is a young church. We've, uh, this church was planted, uh, just moving here, 10 years ago. Uh, in, this, in this month, we are celebrating our 10th anniversary. Uh, Colombia is it's like a quite divided country. It's like three countries in one. You can take south part, that is like the jungle. Uh, the other part that is close to the east, uh, that has been influenced by the sound doctrine, reform doctrine uh, 40 years ago. And our part that is in the north, that uh, is very, very uh, like uh, unknown, the sound doctrine. Uh, the city where we live is at 2.4 million people. Uh, five years ago, the government made this uh, research and they find out that we have a lot of 2,000 churches that identify themselves as Christian or Protestant churches, evangelical churches. But out of those 2,000 churches, we just find five churches that are preaching the true gospel, including us. Um, our church is small, and we are the biggest one. So it's uh, a huge field uh, to, to preach the gospel over there. So where is uh, something like that is a great opportunity. But at the same time, we face uh, big challenges. Colombia is the most progressive uh, country in Latin America because uh, the government takes uh, thousands, uh, millions of dollars from entities as the United Nations, uh, UNESCO. Uh, so every single thing that is happening in Europe uh, and also United States, things like abortion, uh, same-sex marriage or whatever is happening in Colombia. Just two weeks ago, so to, to be a, give you a little illustration, the government allowed uh, this woman, uh, seven months pregnant, to abort the baby. Uh, it was totally held. Uh, the father was pledging to the government to please just give me the kid because they got divorced, and he made this campaign on internet, and only three news media covered the news and the smallest ones. The big ones, they didn't pay attention. Uh, but the week before of that, some guy killed a cat, which is bad, but all big news covered it, front page. Someone kicked a cat, let's kill this guy. Uh, so uh, same-sex marriage is something that is coming really fast. So Colombia is moving uh, in a huge speed to all this uh, new agenda. So we need the true gospel to be shared over there, to be a light in the middle of darkness. 
Uh, our church, as like I told you, is a small church, but through the grace of God, we like six years ago probably, we find out that we were not uh, in a good spot. Uh, we were not a gospel-centered church, but the Lord used a brother to allow us to know that. And because of that, we start praying. We were praying for about two years with the other elders. Uh, we need a seminary here because uh, I think in our region, 99% of the pastors, including me, they just started the church uh, with no training at all, with no preparation at all. So we were praying to, Lord, please bring a ministry here in our region, please uh, bring a seminary, something like that, so people can get proper training, pastors can get uh, uh, well-trained. So after two years uh, praying every single morning, uh, uh, 4.30 a.m., we make this uh, phone conference. Uh, nothing happened, uh, but someone decided, why don't we try to do it uh, ourselves? And we said, well, we, have not the, we don't have the training. Uh, so I enrolled with one seminary here in the States online. Um, after that, we decided to do it. Uh, so uh, we put on, on the Facebook network this ugly, nasty uh, advertisement, and I can PowerPoint advertisement, and I can say that it was ugly and nasty because I did it. So I'm not saying something bad about any anyone else. It has no images. Just say like, uh, you want to study theology? It's free. Come. Uh, that was it. Um, and we have to do it for free because. Uh, 90% of people living in Barranquilla, you, you, fi you find there are people that has a, a, a big income, but 90% live with the uh, minimum salary over there. So sometimes to, to them it comes to study or eating, and I don't know about you, but they prefer to eat. Yeah. So the, the, the need was to, okay, if we are going to do something, we, uh, we are not going to be able to charge for anything. Uh, but we were expecting like 20, 25 people, probably, something like that. And the first day, 120 show up. We were like, wow, scared and amazed at the same time, because what are we going to do with all these people who wants to study? Uh, coming from churches that are deep, deep in the prosperity gospel, uh, other churches that are uh, in this uh, works gospel, uh, but they were there. Uh, we have pastors, we have teachers, deacons, leaders that went to study theology. So to, to short uh, my intervention and go to the, to the, to the, to the message, uh, that was 18 months ago. And now we have 400 students that are attending every single uh, week. Um, they, are, they are so eager. I, I, we can see the Lord working because they, they are starving by the... Uh, every teaching. Uh, online, we have a little bit more than 300 students. I don't know where they come from, but there are people from Africa, Europe, states as well, South America, Central America, and they are getting prepared on April. Next April, we will be starting our first pastoral training process program that will be for two years. We're going to have 20 29 guys that we are going to start training uh, in, in what looks like to be a, a, a sound doctrine pastor. So we're going to be teaching on uh, theology, character, and um, practical work. Um, we hope that out of those 29 guys, we have at least 10 new churches planted in our region. Um, in July, we will be starting the Biblical Counseling Program as well. 
uh, we we are run, already run out of this, uh, spots for them. And also in August, we will be starting the teacher's process. So well, our goal is to equip the local churches uh, because we believe if people in the local churches receive the proper training, little by little, they will be shaping uh, the, the culture on their own churches and we will be seeing a, a change. Uh, we are working in this process that is for two decades. So please pray for us to be faithful because now we are starting to see some changes. There are few churches that are already are living behind the prosperity gospel and they are working with us like we want to do it, the things in a good way. But in other cases, uh, we don't see anything at all. But we trust the Lord that in two decades we will be seeing some fruit of everything we are planting right now. Um, we need it because uh, when we see the government, what it's doing, we think our kids, our grandkids will be living as missionaries, not in Africa, but in Barranquilla as well. So we are trying to focus on that. So that's pretty much, brothers and sisters, what is happening. Uh, but praise be the Lord because he has been so faithful and has been sending, I don't know uh, how, but the resources to not just to do it for free, because always people think it, if it's free, it's bad. So we say, Lord, if we are going to do it for free, we want to do it as if, we were, if we, they were paying a lot. And the Lord uh, allows us to do it. He sent the resources. And, well, we are there right now. So you are invited to go and visit us whenever you want. Okay. Um, after that, I'm going to the, to the message. So please, if you come with me to the book of Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, I have the privilege to preach this lovely parable of the lost sheep. So Luke, chapter 15. And if you help me a little bit so I can feel more like in my own house, uh, we usually stand up when we read the gospel, we read the Bible. So not for me, but because it's the, it's the word of the Lord. I'm going to be reading of the newest, uh, new international version. So I, 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 I forgot to ask you, sorry about brother. So I will be reading this. It says like this. Now... The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law moderate. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told, told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friend and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over nine sinners who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Let's pray, brothers and sisters, please. Oh, Lord, this is an incredible message. So incredible and so full with grace and mercy that I'm aware that it's impossible for me to explain it in the, in the, in the best, best way. But we praise you because it's not up to me. It's the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you, 
we beg you in Jesus' name that you take this message, this word, and seal it and plant it in every single heart in this room. Lord, I always ask you back in Barranquilla that you help us, everybody, to listen. So, Lord, we need, and I need, my brothers and sisters need more help today. I need the help of your Holy Spirit to preach in this language. And they need help to understand, even when I probably say something not in the best way. But you are Lord. You are powerful. You are the Almighty. And I'm sure that there is no one else that has more interest in that these messages come to the hearts than you, Lord. That's, right. that's my hope and confidence, and that's the hope of confidence as sure of my brothers and sisters. So please allow me to preach with mercy as I see myself, with grace as I see my brothers and sisters, and even with uh, being bold because this is your word. Right. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, brothers and sisters. This lovely parable on chapter 15 uh, includes three stories that I know that last Sunday you were to the lost coin parable, and probably next Sunday you will be in the lost psalm. They are amazing because it allows us to see what the heart, the Lord's heart, looks like in, in, when he thinks about the lost ones. And it's very refreshing for us as Reformed people because Reformed people usually tend to forget that once we were, we were lost, that there was a time where we didn't have the proper understanding, that there was a time in our life that we were dead in our sins and transgressions as they are now, that we tend to forget uh, Ephesians chapter 2, that's one of my favorite passages in the New Testament, uh, and we think about our neighbors, and we think about our co-workers, and we think about our family that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, or even not the way we believe in Jesus Christ, that is the proper way, as those guys, that people, how come they are not understanding what the Bible says? But I want you to remember that there was a day where you didn't either. There was a day when we were in the same spot that they are right now. That our response when we see, when we met, when we work, when we uh, share some time with the lost ones should uh, show what these parables are teaching us about the lost heart for the lost ones. Amen? So... I was thinking, Lord, what would be a good illustration to start this parable? And the Lord uh, haven't answered it until this very morning when I was on the way here. I was supposed to be here at 9.15. So uh, last night when uh, they shared, shared with me the address to arrive from Orlando, I went to Google Maps and said, okay, 55 minutes from the point or my position. So... I have to live in this time, and I will be just fine. So at 9.14, we were in front with my wife. We were in front of this. It was a lovely house, but it was right in the <laughs> middle of the country. So I asked my wife, 
you see any signs over here? No, it just looks like a house. And it has a big leather sign that say, beware of dogs. <laughs> that doesn't look like the proper way to receive people in a church. So you see, nah, I think we are lost. I think we are lost. And, and I have my Google. I, I went back, my, my, my wife, because I tend to get lost. So my wife said, did you put the address? Well, I, said, I think so, but let's look at it again. So I went uh, again to, to the message that I received, and I put it back. Yeah, it's the same house, but I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this, is the, this is Tim's house, probably, but he should be at a church right now. Well, let's call him. And it, find, it, it turns out that we were almost 30 minutes away from here. So we were totally lost over there. And I was thinking, like, why do you allow this, Lord? Why did you allow me to get lost and allow Tim to send me that address? What happened here? But on the coming, on the way coming back, on the way, the very correct side, I was thinking, like, this is what's happening here. This is what's happening here, but with a huge difference is that the lost sheep doesn't have the way to call anyone. The lost sheep don't have Google Maps. They don't even know that Google Maps exists because the lost sheep, uh, as we see in lovely in this parable, is the same dead guys of Ephesians chapter 2. So in this parable, the main, the main purpose is to show us the, 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 the Lord's heart. But we have to understand that this lost sheep, we might think as cute, wide, you know, a small little thing, I want to hug them. But it's the same dead corpse that are described in Ephesians chapter 2. No chance at all to say, hey, I think I'm lost. The big deal about is that the lost sheep, she has not a clue that she is lost. They don't know they're lost. I don't know. Uh, I, I would love uh, to, to be able to share with you that I was born in a Christian family and that since the very beginning I was in church and that I have just some memories that are not, not that good. But the reality of my life is that I was saved uh, by the Lord uh, 26 years old. So I was very, very lost. But I didn't know it. If you ask me at that time, where are you going if you, go, if you die today? My answer will quickly will be like, heaven. Why shouldn't I? Well, you, this, you do this, you do that. Yeah, but... And a good person anyway. So the, the big deal is that the sheep that are lost, they think they are not. And they, uh, to be honest, they don't even think about it. They are not, you know, these guys, your neighbor, who, your neighbor this morning that probably is heading to the beach, he's not thinking, hmm, what will happen with me if I die today? if I get by by a shark or something like that. They, they are not thinking about it because they don't know. They, they, they can't see because they are dead. They are blind. They, they have no the Holy Spirit. So uh, Paul in Corinthians, he says, the natural man, he cannot understand the spiritual 
words, the spiritual uh, movement, because they are dead. So that's the worst condition to be. Uh, thinking about Titus Bill, um, I was speaking with Tim and also with uh, Pastor Aaron in Orlando. He was telling me like, okay, few few months ago, a few years I didn't, I don't remember. A lot of people was leaving Titus Bill because NASA shut down uh, the offices and everything. NASA, NASA is over there. Okay. Uh, um, this is the place where the rockets are launched to the space. So just think about uh, an astronaut who got lost in the space. How is, how is he supposed to come back to Earth? It's, it's impossible. There is no way to come back to Earth, even if he realized he's lost in the space, because the ship that the Lord is using, and, I, and I'm going to start reading the, the text right away. Stay with me a few minutes. The ships probably will be in the space saying, what a beautiful spot. They don't know that the oxygen is running out. They don't know that in a few minutes they will be dead. They say, wow, this is beautiful. They are not thinking of coming back to Earth because they don't even realize that they are not in Earth anymore. That's the condition of these people. So let's, let's go back to the text and see what the, the Lord let us know this morning, brothers and sisters. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. This is amazing because it's Jesus. It's the Lord of heaven. It's the almighty God. He's the holy, holy, holy. But he is surrounded. They said that they were gathering. It's not just one. But the text said the tax collector and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Luke is using to the, the two, uh, like, like two kind of people, tax collectors and sinners, because for people back, the Jews in the first century, tax collectors was, were like the worst kind of people because they say they as traitors to the nation of Israel. So it's like tax collectors, prostitutes, and sinners. But the thing is that all of them are sinners. And they were gathering around to hear Jesus. It's amazing to see because the Pharisees, they were the guys who were supposed to teach the world. They were supposed to speak with the people, with the sinners, because they need to understand the law of God. But they reject all those kind of people. And verse number two says, but the Pharisees and the teacher of the law, moderate. You know, this word moderate, I don't know if I'm saying it in a proper way, but moderate is like, I'm whispering, but not that low. I, I want to everybody around me can uh, be able to hear what I'm saying. So they were speaking bad about Jesus, but at the same time, they were uh, quoting something great and something amazing that the, this is the truth that allowed you and me to be here this morning. This man, Jesus, now they are referring to Jesus like this guy. This, this man is the, is the master of the universe. At this point of Luke chapter 15, Jesus has already accomplished a lot of miracles. So there are a, a lot, plenty evidence of this is not just a guy. This is not just this man. It, this is somebody. 
probably they could say, well, I don't believe he's the son of God. I don't believe he's the Messiah. But he's just not somebody. He's not Juan Hernandez. I don't know if I make myself clear. This guy, this guy, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. My brothers, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were saying this sentence, this quote, to put shame on Jesus, but at the same time, without notice, they are just uh, making this statement, this great statement that is true. And that's why you are here. And that's the reason I am here, because Jesus welcomes sinners and eat with them. This is supposed to be an offensive line to Jesus, but when Jesus received this in the first part, he knows what they are trying to imply. But it's true. I want you to think about this a little bit. Jesus welcomes. It's not that he accepts. I want to understand, to, to make a, a difference here. Because the word, and also in Greek, implies this. For example, uh, you can receive in your office. Tomorrow morning you go to your office and you are working there and a salesman comes to your office and the door was open, so he's right in there. So you receive the guy. And he, listen, I work for this company and blah, 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 blah. Okay. But when someone that you love and you haven't seen in a, a long period of time shows up in your office, you, you stand up from your seat, you turn around your desk, and you hug them. Welcome. You make them feel like you are happy that they are there. That's what the welcome word implies here. Jesus welcomes. It's not like, okay, sit there. Don't come that close because you are a sinner. It's like, I'm going to talk to you, but not that long. I have another meeting in five minutes. It's that Jesus enjoyed the company of the sinners. That's, that's the most amazing truth because if that is not truth, we're going to hell. Because I want you to understand that in heaven, we're going to have new bodies. That's true. Those bodies are not going uh, to be tempted by sin. But in heaven, we are still, we are going to remember that we are sinners over there. And Jesus is going to spend eternity with sinners like you and me. So if you are here for the first time in a Christian church, and maybe you are thinking like, I don't know, this thing of Christian the, the Christian life is not for me because I'm a sinner. Welcome. Yes. Amen. Because that's what we are. Uh, we are not proud of a sinner. We used to be proud of that. But now we recognize we are sinners. He is holy and he welcomes us. Yes. That's what the Lord is implying here. The Pharisees were saying that for a wrong uh, cause. But it's true. Jesus the Lord of hosts love to spend the time with sinners. Amen. It's amazing. I don't know how you think about mm, Hebrews chapter 4. You can come before the throne of grace freely. Have you read OT, the Old Testament, and only the the, the uh, how do you say that in English? The high priest, 
just the high priest, one single day per year. Just one day per year. And he has to go to all these ceremonies so he can get into the holy place where the, the, the Shekinah, the, the presence of the Lord, were, were in that place. And just for a few minutes to do this ceremony. And now, my brothers and sisters, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we can enter to the holy place every single day, every moment. It's not like you have to make an appointment. I, I don't know. Can you go to the president of your company without an appointment? Perhaps no. Maybe you say, well, yes, I'm the president of the company. But can you go to the White House? Uh, I'm not trying to speak about politics, politicians anymore. I don't want to go over there. Or I want to go. That doesn't matter. But he's the president of the United States. So you cannot say, you know, this morning I felt like talking to you. Who are you? I'm busy, and perhaps you, you know we should, we, we used to study together. I kind of remember you, but I'm busy, I'm the president, but it's the Lord. Yes. And he's always like, come to my presence. It's yes. amazing because uh, if you are here and you are safe, this sentence applies to you as well. Because sometimes we think like, okay, the gospel and this, this quote is like when we were outside of the Lord's flock, of the Lord's flock. Like, okay, I'm already safe. I don't have to spend with Jesus so much time. He, he is busy saving the sinners. You are still a sinner, and yes, you are safe, but in a way, we are being safe every day. Yes. I don't want to, to think that I'm uh, teaching about losing your salvation. I'm not speaking about it. And speaking about that, you are safe, but at the same time, all day you, all, every day we sing. And no matter what you have done yesterday, no matter what you have done maybe this week, this morning, he still welcomes you. Because you and I, we are holy because of Jesus, but we are sinners. And that's even worse because we already were saved, so we were supposed to change, but... I mean, we have changed, but we still sin. And he still welcomes us. He still say, come, come to my presence in the morning, in the afternoon, at night. Not just on Sunday mornings. It's, it's terrible for somebody, for someone at church. It's like, okay, I have my meeting with Jesus Sunday, 9, 9 a.m. or 10 a.m., and that's it. See you next Sunday. That's not what he wants from us. He welcomes Sinners and eat with them. Chap uh, verse 3 says, Then, uh, that, that means that after this, uh, uh, after this statement from the Pharisees, then Jesus told them this parable. Jesus is uh, referring especially to the Pharisees, but all the sinners are listening as well. So everybody's uh, listening what the Jesus is going to say. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts in his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and say, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Amazing. Now, let me, let me think about something. Chapter 14, Luke is uh, letting us see 
the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. So when you read chapter 14 and you say this verse 25, say, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So when you read this, this, these verses, you might think like Jesus is like repelling people. There's a crowd that is following, is traveling with him, and looks like Jesus has beware dogs. You know the sign that I saw this morning? Beware of dogs. So, I want to follow you, but you are saying, because think about the image. It's like a, he turned around, he turned into them. Like Jesus was walking, people were coming after him, crowds. It's not just one, crowds. And he turned around, you know what, if you want to follow me, be my disciple, you have to hate everybody, you have to hate your own life. It's not like the best way to bring people. <laughs> know what I mean? It's not like, welcome. So in chapter 15, we are seeing the whole picture. And, and this is true. The word chapter 14 is true. There is a cause of being a disciple of Christ. But he says that in chapter 14, and in chapter 15, now he's showing that he loves the sinner. Because you might think, well, he doesn't want too many people around. And maybe it's because they are sinners. He's looking for Pharisees. But now he's addressing the same Pharisees and telling this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, 100 sheep, and he loses one of them, just one. And, and that's important because what Jesus is implying is that there is no one so small, so sinner that is not be able to receive the love of God. Yeah, Every single person, is, that's just amazing. Every single person is, a, is important to God. I mean, I'm a pastor, and I try to, find, to be able to see if anyone was miss, were missing on Sunday or something like that, but he is the good shepherd. Yes. He's the good shepherd, so he knows that is one of my sheep that, are, that is not here, that is lost. Now, let, let's, there are like uh, two different positions between scholars about the 99. Some say that Jesus is referring to the 99 are already saved people. Others say that there are angels, and there are others, which I'm not a scholar, but that will be my position, that the, the 99 is referring to the Pharisees and the law masters. That they were thinking about themselves like, just people, people who deserve go to heaven, people who believe about themselves that they were not in need of a savior. Actually, when people, when Jesus show up in Jerusalem, when, when Jesus appear in the scene of in Jerusalem, they say, okay, if this guy, because that's the way they think about Jesus, is the Messiah, he should come to me. He should come to visit me and say, I need you because you are holy. I need you because you are very just. I need you because you know the law of Moses. So I want to have 12 guys, and those 12 guys should be the high priest and another 11. But Jesus chose the worst team you can ever put together. I don't know if you have, you have to think about it. But you have a tax collector. 
You have uh, fishermen who were people illustrated, were people with no knowledge of the law, who were people like nobody but one in a, in a classroom, I know. Uh, you, you have uh, Simon, that he is like a, a guerrilla guy, you know, with gun, with uh, knife hiding to try to kill the Roman soldiers. There is no someone that you say, okay, but Peter, have you read about Peter in the gospel? Okay, John, have you seen what John say? Lord, please, when you come back, allow my brother and me to be one in the right, one in the left. That's John and James. And the Lord put this thing together that are the worst thing ever. I mean, if you are holy, that's what the Pharisees are thinking. Why are you picking these guys? Because every single of these 11 guys and leaving Judas behind, knew they were sinners, knew their condition, knew that they were totally in a totally incapacity of being safe by themselves. So the Lord is saying, what a shepherd would do. And for the people in the first century in Israel, this picture, this image will be pretty clear because a lot of them were shepherds as well. So they say, what a shepherd would do. A shepherd would go to the to the, to the forest, uh, and they will encourage a danger to get able to recover that lost sheep because it was important to them. So Jesus is using these images about uh, this shepherd, this pastor who goes back and tries to find the lost sheep, and he says that he looks for that sheep until he finds it. There, there are some pictures of the Old Testament that Jesus is implying here in this parable. Um, well, remember, parable is pointing to one main point, uh, but there are some details that I believe just just you can uh, check back in in, the, in your houses. For example, Psalm 119, verse 176 is is, is beautiful. Let me uh, find it for you. I would like to read it because Jesus is implying something in this. Have a little patience with me. This Bible, I don't know, don't use it any too much because it's in English. So, <laughs> the pages are like Psalm 119. And the way you are having patience with me, you are showing the gospel. So, <laughs> okay, verse 167. You say, I have a strike like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. The, the writer of this beautiful sound is unknown. It's the largest sound in the whole Bible, the, the largest chapter in the whole Bible. And it's a, ch a chapter about how the, the word of the Lord is the joy and the treasure of this guy. That should be our condition as well. But he... At the end, this guy who loves the word, at the end of the, of, the, of the song, he says, I'm like a lost sheep. So please seek your servant. What, what's he doing? He's, he's saying, I cannot find the way back home. You know, when the Lord used the image of, of, for, for every one of us as a sheep, it's not something beautiful. 
Uh, I don't know, may, maybe you have seen these beautiful uh, gift cards and everything that has the, and the love ship and looks beautiful, but what of the ships is the Lord using to refer to us? One of the things is that the ships are one of the dumbest animals. I don't know if you knew something about it, but the ships are totally incapable to find a returning way home, even if they have walked that same path 100,000 times. If the shepherd leaves the ship over there, it's going to be totally lost. You can see, I don't know if you have seen, the, uh, my love, love to see these animals documentaries, and so I watched them as well with her. And a ship can be just eating her, her, its own grass, and in the, the next ship is, be, is being eaten by the wolf, and this ship is like... <laughs> it's incredible. You see all the animals in Africa, and when the lion appears, and when the tiger appears, what all the animals do? They run away, and, and they scatter, and they try to save one another if they have the opportunity, but the ship, you can see it. She's not thinking, I might be next. <laughs> She's not considering the, the, the danger that is just five uh, inches away from itself. That was us. Okay. Amen. That's the condition of those who now are still lost. Excellent. They don't know. And, and, and trust me, I, I know this, this couple in Barranquilla. I used to work with them. And I, I preached the gospel to them a lot of times. But every single time that I have the opportunity to, I, I find them in the, in the streets in Barranquilla, I ask them, you know what's, what's going to happen to you to, if you die? You know you're, what's going to be there? Yeah, I know, I'm going to hell. You can think, wow. They don't believe that. Because if they believe, if they truly knew that they are going to hell, they will, they will be on their knees right now. You, you have to understand. They want to go to hell. Nobody wants to go to hell. Nobody wants to go, for real. Even the worst sinners that you might think is the worst of the worst, they don't want they don't know. They don't believe they will. And that's something you have to understand because that's the condition of this sheep. She's totally lost. It's like she was eating his, its own grass. They left. Continue. Now then it's like, hey, some bells ringing in your head. Everybody's leaving. You should move. That's not the case of the sheep. That was not our case. That's what the Lord is implying in this beautiful parable. Also, the Lord is referring to Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 6. I just go to a quick look and let's continue on Luke. Isaiah chapter 53, this lovely chapter about what the Lord did for us. But look what they say, what it says here. Chapter 53, of book of Isaiah. Verse 6 goes like this. <clears throat> we all, we all, the, the grammar is important. Not just some of us. Is anyone in this room who can raise his arm and say, well, it doesn't include me? 
All means all. And it's the same in Spanish than in English. All means all. Everybody here, everybody in Titusville, everybody in Florida, everybody in the States, everybody in America, everybody in the five continents, the whole universe, all. We were, we all like sheep. That's the, that's the, that's the uh, comparison that he's doing over here. The Lord, through Isaiah, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us Amen. all. Brothers, this is amazing how Isaiah is like, we all, and, but you know, in the all, we can, we can hidden ourselves. We all. But then he says, each one of us. Because when we say, we are all our sinners, you can say, yeah, amen. But Juan is a sinner. Hey, not that. So he's implying this. Each one of you were lost. Each one of us were lost. We all, everybody in this room, have departed from the Lord. That's what... The, the prophet is saying that. So, returning to Luke chapter 15. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and lose one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Two things that I want you to see about the, the hearts, Lord, over here. Number one, that's something that you can understand and, and see since Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve disobeyed, the God's commandment about not eating the, the fruit of the knowledge, what did they do when, G, when the Lord showed up in the, gar, in the garden of Eden? They hid immediately. They flee. They were hidden on the bus because nobody is trying to look for the Lord. It's the Lord who goes after the sheep, after the lost ones. It's incredible. Sometimes uh, I was teach uh, like a religion is the, the man trying to reach out God. And Christianity is God reaching out for man. But that's not quite good about what the Bible says because with religion what the God, what the man is truly trying to do is cover the shame. What did Aden and Eve did in Genesis chapter 3? They were not like, okay, let's put these trees, these leaves, trees and here, here we are, Lord. No, they were covered and, they, and then what they did? They went to hid. Why? Because all that was concerned in, in their minds was like, I don't want to feel this way. So through religion, through works, the mankind has tried to like, feel better about themselves. Because deeply inside every human being, there is this sense of, I'm not right. Something is not right. Something is not correct, but doing these works, you know, sending some money to the poor guys in Africa, trying to give some lemonade to my neighbor on summer, I, I, I feel a little bit better. But the, the, man, the mankind is not looking for God. God is coming after mankind. That's what's happening in Genesis chapter 3, and it's what we are seeing here. He says that he goes, he goes after the lost sheep. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came after us. 
There is not a single testimony where you can say, I went through Jesus. Maybe you saw it like that. But the, the truth is that pretty much in different ways, it was like Acts chapter 9, Paul going through Damascus to uh, kidnap Christians, kill Christians, and the Lord show up. He was the one after Paul, after Saul at that time, because he was known as Saul at the, at the moment. He go after, but how long, how persistent is the Lord? Look what it says, until he finds it. That's something amazing. Think about the Lord didn't give up with you. You are here because the Lord didn't give up with us. And we continue being here because he hasn't and he won't give up with us until he finds it. That's the way the Lord loves the lost. He goes after them until he finds it. And I mean, uh, it's the Lord. He knows where we are. He says about the wicked man, I know where you live. I know what time do you get off the bed, at what time you eat, at what time you go to bed. But what he's implying is that it's a persistent love. It's, 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 a, it's a, this love that is impossible for us to describe. But he will go after you until he finds you and he kept you. That's amazing, brothers. Um, if you are here for the first time and you say, I'm here because my neighborhood took me. I say, if you go, I will take you to lunch. You are not here because of that. And probably you say, well, that's the way I arrive church. Well, that might look outside, but it was the Lord. Yes. It was the Lord because he came after you until he finds you. That's the kind of God we are worshiping today. It's a loving God. It's, 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 a, it's a God who says in the book of Ezekiel, we won't go over there, I don't rejoice in the death of the right. wicked man. Right. I want them to repent. I want them to live. Right. Uh, sometimes people, I've heard some, some and I think they, they are people with good theology at some point, that think that the Lord is like having fun sending people to hell. He will feel good because he's a just God. He's yes. a just judge. Yes. But he is not happy like, Boring hell. No, that's not the God that the Bible describes. He wants to save the lost ones. He will go after him. And this pastor, in, in the illustration of this parable, this pastor lived the other 1999 that we are uh, we'll go to that in one minute and go after the lost one. He might go in the darkness. He might go to like facing, you know, dangers because wolf and be, uh, wild animals. But our shepherd came down from heaven. He humiliated himself, got it, taking this human body. He lived a perfect life, and he went to die in that cross. He was nailed to the cross to be able to find you. He died. He was, he, his body was put on the tomb to find you. And when he, came up, when he came out of the tomb, he brings you with you. That's our shepherd. That's the way he loves us. That's how 
he feels and thinks about the lost sheep. And, and says in verse 5, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And this is something great, but because perhaps you, can, you have seen a movie where the hero takes bullets for everybody, but he's not having fun. He's not like joyful. Like, I hope you do something good with your life, and he dies. But our pastor, Jesus, our shepherd, he's joyfully. He went to the cross, but he joyfully went to the cross. I mean, Isaiah chapter 53, you see Luke, and he, he didn't want to suffer the wrath of God, but he joyfully did because he was thinking of finding you. Because he was thinking of finding all people that you still think, you know, this guy can never be a Christian. So you have never read about the Apostle Paul. Because if you think someone who, you think, no, don't preach to Paul. Imagine that you belong to the Jerusalem church in century, the first century. And someone says, you know, guys, I'm going to preach to Saul. Who? Saul. Saul, the Pharisee. We have to pray for you. Let's fast <laughs> so you can understand that that guy is unreachable. That guy hates us. That guy has put our wives in jail, our kids. He has killed. He was there with, uh, in Spanish, it's Esteban. Die. He was a stone. But, no, but nobody is unreachable for Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. And he finds it right in the middle of this mission to kill Christians. That's our shepherd, brothers and sisters. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I mean, the Lord of the, the, the heart of our Lord shows, rejoice, and he wants to, to, to share these joys when he saves someone. Not a crowd. Well, he's, he saved 3,000 in the first sermon of Peter in Acts uh, chapter 2. But a single one. I want you to understand this to finish that he wants to be with us. He wants to save the lost ones. He already paid. Someone say, okay, he doesn't have to come back because his uh, sacrifice was sufficient. And amen, that's the truth. But allow me to say this, that according to what the Bible says, if he will have to go again, which he doesn't, because his sacrifice was enough. The whole wrath of God was satisfied with his sacrifice on the cross. But he loves the lost one too much that if he have to do that, he won't have to. He would do it. That's our shepherd. And I don't want you to think, maybe Jesus will come back for, no, he won't come back to go to the cross. When he comes back, he will come back as he is the king of kings. But if he has to, he would. That's what this parable is showing us about the heart of our Lord. He loves to save sinners like you and me. And now, to finish, the verse 7 says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over 
one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't know need to repent. That's not the main point of this parable, but just to let us know, be aware of the 99 who doesn't need to repent. According to the Bible, everybody needs to repent. That's why I go to the third uh, position. <coughs> Don't rely on your own justice. If you are here today thinking, I will go to heaven because, well, yeah, Jesus went to the cross, but also I'm a good husband and a good wife. I come to church. I'm pretty generous with the offering. I'm helping with the kids' ministry. I, I, I already signed up for uh, next summer with the kids. Please, stop. There is only one reason why we are going to heaven. Jesus Christ. Please, now, if you are in some little point relaying, having confidence on your own works, repent right now. Stop right there. Even if you have been walking with the Lord for 10, 20, 30 years, it's very common, our pride. Yes, he went to the cross, but I, I'm good. I mean, there are some Christians that they show up in church twice per month. They barely give something for the missions. They, they, they don't uh, participate in any ministry. I do. So... I think he will take me to heaven because this and that. No. No, my brothers and sisters, only Jesus Christ. Amen. Only Jesus Christ. If we are not in the open boots anymore, it's because he went over there, he took us in his arm with joy, and now he will keep us in his hand until the end of the days. Amen. Nothing else. Nothing else. So be aware of being part of the 91, the 99 others. In my case, and I hope it's your case, I'm proud to say, because of him, that I'm the 100 sheep. And be part of that team, the 100. I'm the 100. He went over there. I was totally lost, without any hope. And he went after me until he finds me. And when he found me, he brought me home. He didn't, think about it, he didn't take the sheep to the flock. He take the sheep home. So we are home, brothers. Like they were praying back in Orlando, yet, but no yet. Yes. But we are home because he is our shepherd. Amen. Amen? Amen? Okay, brothers, let's pray. Let's ask for the Lord to allow us to, to keep this, this message this passage in our hearts and with humbleness come before the Lord to say thank you Lord thank you Lord because you saved us because we were lost I was lost and we need to remind this that it's not for our own works it's not for our own efforts it's because you rejoice in saving sinners like us because you welcome tax collector. You welcome alcoholics. You welcome drug addicts. You, you, you welcome 
people living in an immoral way, his sexual life. You, you, you welcome people struggling with pornography. You, you welcome liars. You, you welcome people who now is putting their faith in, in money and the things that the world offer. You are welcome and, and you are willing to save them. Thank you, Lord. Because no one here, starting with me, deserves to be with you. But you have given us a name. You have given us a new condition, a new identity. Now we are children of God because of Jesus Christ. And please allow us to remember that that's the most important position we can ever have on earth. We are your children. We are sheep on your flock. We are the number 100. You found us in the open wild. And you took us, put us on your shoulder, and brought us home. Praise be the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. Praise be the father of our big shepherd, because he allows his son to come down to earth to seek for us, found us, and pay the price for us. Praise be the Holy Spirit who allows us to understand these truths. And Holy Spirit, we ask you that if there is somebody here in this room right now that is still lost, that you change his heart and convince them of sin and bring repentance to his heart, to her heart. That if there is somebody in this room right now, he is trusting in their own works, they can see that it's only Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you. Thank you for taking our leaves behind and you dressed us with the skin of the lamb. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you. 